Hello, and welcome to Episode 4 of Local Food Rules, presented by the Local Food Forum newsletter and soon-to-be website. Local Food Forum is the news source for people who want a healthy, more sustainable food system based on delicious locally produced food in the Chicago region and beyond. Visit localfoodforum.substack.com to read articles and subscribe. Well, dang if it isn't summer already. For local food lovers in the Chicago region, this is the most wonderful time of the year. After the predictably slow run-up of local crops over the spring, peak season is coming on hard, with new vegetables and fruit appearing on farmer market tables almost every day. Over the course of a few days, I brought home my first-of-the-season sugar snap peas, broccoli, summer squash, sweet cherries, and raspberries. Meanwhile, the cooler than the normal June that we've been experiencing is keeping some of those heat-averse early-season crops going strong. There's still quite a bit of asparagus around. It has been an exceptionally good season for local strawberries. Every batch I've gotten from several different farms have been sweet and juicy, and they were still going strong early in the week of June 19th. There is another reason to be thankful for the moderate temperatures so far. Our region has had very little rain, which is causing widespread concern amongst our farmers. But had the temps been hotter, there would have been even more evaporation, and the soils would have been even more parched or cracked, or would have required a lot more expensive irrigation. So thus far, farmers market shoppers would have had no major reason to think anything is amiss. Nonetheless, there already are some farms that have suffered serious damage from the dry conditions. Two of them are owned by friends who I admire greatly, and they need financial support to rebuild. The first of these is Jerry Boone of Froggy Meadow Farm, located in Beloit, Wisconsin. Chicago's restaurant community is coming together to raise funds for Froggy Meadow Farm, which is on the verge of losing a year's worth of crops due to drought-like conditions. The team behind the campaign includes Devin Quinn of Eden, Jason Hamill, Lula Cafe, Sarah Stegner, Prairie Grass Cafe, John Shields, Smith and the Loyalist, Oliver Poilave, Obelix, Ethan Pecos, Cellar Door Provisions, Cesar Murillo, North Pond, and Jody Fife, the Paramount Group. Now, if you were a regular at Green City Market's flagship location, Chicago's Lincoln Park, you have probably met Jerry. He is immediately recognizable from his big beard and big smile, and for his tables filled with some of our region's most beautiful produce, including some rare artisanal varieties. But this year, Jerry's tables have been mostly empty because of catastrophic drought conditions in his south-central Wisconsin area. He has lost all his spring crops, and if urgent but expensive measures are not taken to give him greater access to water resources, he may lose a whole year's worth. Losses that are not covered by insurance. As Jerry explains, the past winter was dry with little snow, which meant the groundwater on which he relies wasn't sufficiently replenished. And with a rainless spring, he says he hasn't had rain in three to four months, the one-time residential well that had reliably provided the water he needs for irrigation has run dry after brief use every day. The cost of remediation, which requires drilling for a new and deeper well, a pump and pump house, and electrical installation, are prohibitive for a farmer who has been getting a lot out of his 10-acre farm for years. Jerry who, like many farmers, is reluctant to ask for help, had even considered this as a signal to retire. But some of our city's leading chefs who serve Jerry's beautiful produce to their customers love him too much to let his farming career end this way. 
There is a GoFundMe that is just part of their efforts to rally the always generous Chicago food community to raise funds that Jerry needs to pay contractors to upgrade his irrigation system and fill up those tables at Froggy Meadow Farms Green City Market Tent. Our food system is at risk because of the consequences of global climate change. The problems Jerry Boone faces are a particularly severe manifestation of these challenges. Any donation you can share will make a big difference in helping Jerry win the day. Visit localfoodforum.substack.com, find the June 21st issue, and click the link to the GoFundMe page. Star Farm Chicago, an innovative urban farming project that is growing food and opportunity in the city's underserved back-of-the-yards neighborhood, is not in as great risk as Froggy Meadow Farm, but nonetheless lost valuable equipment and collateral when a fire gutted a storage container. And the reason for the fire is something I know I'd never heard before. Did you know that some tree pollen becomes highly flammable in dry conditions? This is a message that Stephanie Dunn, Star Farm Chicago's founder, and executive director shared with her community. As some have already heard, we had an unexpected fire at Star Farm on Memorial Day weekend. Rocio, our director of operations, returned from working the Logan Square Market and saw that the pink shipping container at our main site had caught fire. She frantically called the Chicago Fire Department, directed sprinklers towards the flames, and tried to do everything she could to minimize damage while she waited for the fire department to arrive. After putting out the fire, CFD said the fire was caused by cottonwood seeds from the tree that neighbors our main site, which due to especially dry conditions, were highly flammable. We feel fortunate that the fire was contained and did not damage our hoop house, garden beds, or any of our neighbors' properties. That said, the fire did destroy our shipping container that housed event materials, programming supplies, market equipment, and farm landscape tools. These losses are devastating because, like many farmers, we have spent years investing in and slowly accumulating our organization's equipment and materials. We were slow to share this news because we wanted to push through the sadness, frustration, and inconvenience caused by this incident. The timing of this fire has been especially difficult because we are in the midst of our busiest season of programming, growing, and landscaping, creating a plan of action for making repairs, financing replacements, and finding time amidst landscaping, farming, and programming to address our needs has been challenging. Additionally, we did not want to ask more of those who already give so much to support us. But as word is slowly spread throughout our amazing community, we have many people ask how they can help. For this, we are overwhelmed with gratitude and reminded once again of the power of a community built on shared values and goals. We were able to account for everything that was lost, we've estimated the total cost for repairs and replacements. If you are feeling compelled to support us during this time, there are a few different ways you can show your love. Go to localfoodforum.substack.com and find the June 18th issue, which contains the links you can use to help Star Farm Chicago recover from their losses. And now back to some good news. Congratulations to Chef Sean Sherman, the nation's most prominent advocate for indigenous food culture, as a recipient of the ninth annual Julia Child Award. Sean, a member of the Oglala Lakota tribe, gained national recognition after the 2014 opening of his restaurant, The Sioux Chef, Sioux spelled S-I-O-U-X. 
Sean will formally receive the award at a gala to be held October 24th in Minneapolis. The city is home to his Owamni, which received the 2022 James Beard Foundation Award for Best New Restaurant. The Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and Culinary Arts will provide a $50,000 grant to Sean's nonprofit organization, North American Traditional Indigenous Food Systems, Natives, and will support its Indigenous Food Lab, a professional kitchen and training center expanding access to indigenous foods. Said Eric W. Spivey, chairman of the Julia Child Foundation, Sean Sherman continues to dedicate his career to preserving Native American cuisine and creating a holistic, open-source system where others can expand on his work. His unwavering commitment to indigenous food systems has already reshaped the culinary landscape and played a pivotal role in fostering Native food sovereignty. Sean and Julia Child share a dedication to education and a commitment to inspire change. The high cost of farmland is perhaps the biggest obstacle to those who want to start farming, especially the young people we need as the next generation of an aging farming population. The Conservation Fund is a national nonprofit that invests to protect the environment in multiple facets, including sustainable agriculture, which they support by buying land and leasing it to new or small existing farms under terms aimed at allowing those farmers to buy that land over a short period of time. Kelly Larson, a longtime acquaintance from her tenure as operations director for the Chicago Botanic Gardens Windy City Harvest Program, recently joined the Conservation Fund as its Chicago Metro Working Farms Fund Specialist. One of their latest projects is the expansion of Garlic Escape, a garlic farm owned by Sylvia Abel Keynes in Woodstock, located in far north-central Illinois. The name is a play on Garlic Scapes, a specialty crop that has a large following this time of year. I had hoped to make it to the farm for a celebration they had planned for Sunday, June 11th. My plans changed, but I am going to schedule a visit for the summer. What follows is the Conservation Fund's description of Garlic Escape. The Garlic Escape LLC is a vertically integrated, woman-owned farm with the mission of growing and crafting healing foods that are accessible to everyone. The company's products include garlic bulbs, health-themed gift baskets, and handcrafted immune-boosting tonics. They sell through multiple venues, including local farm stores, food co-ops, farmers markets, and online. Founder Sylvia Abel Keynes has spent 30 years working in the agricultural sector. Half of that specifically with certified organic farmers. She has been selecting and cultivating specific varieties of garlic for the last six years. Arturo Keynes has passed agricultural sector experience in product design and development. On behalf of Garlic Escape, the Conservation Fund is investing in 30 acres of land, including a 1920s farmhouse that will be used as the farm office. Sylvia and Art are preparing to scale up Garlic Escape with the Working Farms Fund to achieve ownership of a farm which will allow more space for growing, curing, and processing crops using organic methods that support healthy soil, water, and habitat. The new farm will also offer opportunities for on-farm classes, events, and training for residents of Woodstock, Illinois, and beyond. The farm team has developed a five-year business plan that puts them in a position to purchase the farm from the Conservation Fund within three years. Using a buy-support-protect-sell model, the Working Farms Fund is providing Garlic Escape with immediate access to farmland and a pathway to affordable farm ownership.
Did you know that one of Chicago's leading chefs is also a major benefactor to small local farms? Frontera Farmer Foundation, created more than two decades ago by Chicago chef Rick Bayless of Frontera Grill fame, has made 2023 grants to 18 farms in our region, adding to the total of more than $3 million that the foundation has provided to support farmers and help them grow over the years. Here's the story of how this all came about. Rick Bayless had spent several years in Mexico studying the culinary cultures of the nation's regions, and he recognized that locally produced ingredients were crucial to these regions' foods. When he moved to Chicago in the late 1980s to start Frontera Grill, his groundbreaking regional Mexican restaurant, he expected to find many Midwestern farms from which to buy ingredients. What he found instead was that so many farms had gone over to producing monocultures of field corn and soybeans that locally grown produce and animal products were very hard to find. So when Rick and his team found a vendor they liked, they would often offer to lend them the money that they needed to expand production. This evolved into the Frontera Farmer Foundation, which makes outright grants of up to $12,000 each to selected farmer applicants to be used for infrastructure projects or purchases that help the farm businesses to be sustainable and to grow. This year's grant-funded projects may sound a little mundane to non-farmers, but each of them is aimed at resolving a problem and allowing the recipient farm to work more effectively and efficiently. For instance, my friends at Terra Vitae Farms in Woodstock, Illinois, are purchasing freezers to increase their meat storage capacity for their farm. Another friend at Cockadoodle Farm in Frankfurt, Illinois, is purchasing a portable pastured chicken coop to increase their egg production. Not all of my food writing is for Local Food Forum. I'm happy to share my latest article for the Buy Fresh, Buy Local Illinois directory. To mark National Dairy Month, we're featuring two awesome farms in central Illinois, Marcoot Jersey Creamery in Greenville and Kilgus Farmstead in Fairbury. No two farms are exactly alike. The biggest difference between these two is that Marcoot focuses mainly on artisanal cheese, while Kilkis focuses on milk, cream, and half and half. But they also have a lot in common. Both farms are multi-generational, in Marcout's case, dating back to the 1840s. They both raise jerseys, known as those little brown cows, and both farms have employed rotational grazing of cows since long before anyone had heard the term regenerative agriculture. To find the article, go to buyfreshbiolocal.org slash Illinois slash and click on News and Resources. Now, here's another story about our mission-driven chef community. The annual James Beard Foundation Awards were held earlier in June at Chicago's Lyric Opera House. It's nice that members of the nation's culinary community get this day each year to dress up and celebrate what they and others achieve in providing great food and hospitality to millions of people. But as an advocate for a better food system, healthier, sustainably and humanely produced, diverse and fair to workers and farmers alike, it's not the red carpet at the Oscars of food that interests me. It's the way in which the awards weekend lives up to the James Beard Foundation's slogan of good food for good. I was pleased to attend an issues-focused panel produced by the foundation titled The Abundance Setting Times JBF Panel, Who's Watching the Kids?, the Abundance Setting is a Chicago nonprofit that works to ensure fairness for women in the culinary industry, especially women with their children, in the culinary industry. My first interaction with the organization was at a panel also held by the James Beard Foundation 
prior to the 2022 award ceremony. The Chicago culinary community was very well represented in this year's panel. The panel was moderated by co-founders of the Abundant Setting, Sarah Stegner of Prairie Grass Cafe in suburban Northbrook, a chef activist familiar to regular readers, a local food forum for a range of pursuits as an advocate, and Beverly Kim of Chicago's Parachute Restaurant. They were joined by three other Chicago chefs, Deanna Davia of Mi Takaya Antaharia, Tigist Rita of Demera Ethiopian Restaurant, Becca Groth of Trebekah's Sandwich Shop, and Eric Williams, the lone man on the panel, who won the 2022 James Beard Best Chef Great Lakes Award, and later saw his Virtue Restaurant score a two-year winning streak when Chef de Cuisine Damar Brown won the 2023 Emerging Chef Award. Mary Sue Milliken, a past James Beard Award winner with restaurants in Los Angeles and Las Vegas, was the only non-Chicago chef on the panel. Here are a couple of quotes that sum up what the abundance setting is about. From Beverly Kim, while 54% of culinary graduates are women, only 7% end up being leading chefs or owners. That's a very, very hard statistic to look at. And much of this attrition can be attributed to the motherhood penalty as women enter in the prime of their careers, as well as the prime age for having families. An estimated 43% of highly skilled women leave the workforce after becoming a mom. So we would like to imagine a future where women don't have to choose between careers and their families. And that's why the Abundance Setting was formed. Our mission is to support in the advancement of women and mothers in the culinary and hospitality industry to have thriving careers. From Sarah Stegner, This is about us as a community making a difference. It isn't about us telling you what to do. It's about all of us that are going to make an impact here together. I want to say that until we get the policy change, we need to be human and view people as individuals and look at what they need and try and support them. As restaurateurs, it's not generic. It has to be individualized in order for the system to function before policy change happens. So yes, we need people very soon that are going to step up and advocate, and people that run their businesses in an inclusive way, and that looks at opportunities instead of, well, we don't do it like that. What can we do to make it work? As an audience, people that are able to ask and come up with solutions. Present them. Don't be shy about that. To read more about this important issue, I urge you to go to localfoodforum.substack.com and access the June 8th issue of Local Food Forum. Like most farmers market shoppers, this man does not live by produce and pasture-raised meats alone. I need bread, too. So here's a shout-out to friend Sam Zeitlin, one of my favorite bakers. A brick-and-mortar store is hopefully in the future for Sam and is Zeitlin's delicatessen. For now, he's up to eight farmers markets where he sells delicious baked goods, breads, bagel dogs, muffins, babka, and cookies, and round items that on first glance might look like a cherry danish, but are actually Bialis filled with a roasted tomato, onion, and garlic reduction. I bought four at the South Hoo Farmer's Market Grand Park on Thursday evening, and the next morning my breakfast was one of these babies, with some grated and melted fresh Parmesan. So my Friday got off to a good start. While this is a bit of a stray from tradition, cooked onions and or poppy seeds are the usual filling. Sam's are some of the best I've had. This is high praise given that I grew up in and around New York City, where Bialis once were staples in Jewish delis and bakeries. Bialy is short for Bialystok, the city in Poland from which they originated. 
Bialis are often associated with bagels, likely because of their shared place in Jewish foodways. But they are quite different. Bagels are boiled before baking, while bialis are only baked. And of course, bagels have a hole, while bialis have a depression in which onions or tomatoes or whatever you want are added. These rolls are hard to find, having been overtaken almost everywhere by bagels. So if you run into a Zeitlins, don't miss the opportunity to buy some. And if you try one of those bagel dogs, let me know. They're on my agenda. Let's wrap up episode four with the case of the purloined compost bucket. After years of feeling guilty about throwing out food scraps, I started subscribing for weekly pickup by Waste Not Compost a while back. I'm a very satisfied customer, and all had gone smoothly until a recent Thursday, when through no fault of theirs, the replacement bucket they dropped off for us went missing. I'll take part of the blame because I was out for most of the day, forgot to check for the new bucket before I left. By the time I went to look outside our building's front door, it was gone. Not a big deal in the grand scheme of things, but I didn't want to go a week, especially one in which I planned to do a bunch of cooking, without the old compost bucket. And though I'd planned to give myself a Saturday off after a wildly busy week, I knew that Waste Not has a booth at Saturday's Green City Market in Lincoln Park, so off I went. The folks at Waste Not have been unfailingly helpful, so I had little worry that they wouldn't provide a replacement bucket. But I had the good fortune to be waited on by Taylor, a Waste Not employee and local food advocate, who I'd met at the company's booth at the West Loop Green City Market a few weeks back. So I got a nice catch-up chat, along with my new bucket. Since I was there, I took the obligatory photos of the big Green City Market crowds and the band entertaining the throng with some nice old-timey music. We also had plans to get kale for a salad at our next market visit, so I made a beeline to the stand of Wholesome Harvest Farm, Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin. Their greens are organic and always delicious, and this year their bunches have been just humongous. So there you go, a good food story with a happy ending, and kale. That's it for Episode 4 of Local Food Forum. Please check out the Local Food Forum newsletter at localfoodforum.substack.com. Consider subscribing so we can keep in touch between podcasts. Tell your friends, and above all, buy local and help support our local farmers and food producers. Cheers from Chicago. Chicago.